I became very ill and I would ask my doctors if I could change my food, if it would help. And my doctors would simply say no. I started looking because I was desperate. The first thing I did was I tried this out and it worked and I got better. And then I said, well, now I got to take care of my community. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us in more than 130 countries and healthy cities coast to coast in the U.S. Homestead, Florida, Ann Arbor, Michigan, La Mesa, California. We appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 24 of season 5, number 323 overall. And it is great to be back after a quick little vacation. And what a way to return to the show today. We have a great health story to share with you. I will be introducing you to a woman by the name of Miriam Masihi. And Miriam is an investigative reporter who actually used her reporting chops to investigate her own health. And she was shocked by what she discovered. You see, Miriam had struggled for years with her health, had a whole lot going on. And then after years of mystery, she was finally diagnosed with Sjogren's Syndrome. But the side effects from the medication that she was prescribed, they were almost as bad as the disease itself. She began to lose her hair and she began to gain weight. And those are two things that can spell the end of anyone's career who was in front of the camera, even if they're like Miriam and have won 19 Emmys. So this is when she decides to start doing some digging, putting her investigative skills to the test. And while doctors told her, said, no, Miriam, it's not your diet, she wasn't so sure. So she kept researching and she finally began to research plant-based eating. And she decides to give it a try after watching a few documentaries. And what happens? Well, the results are dramatic. She gets her life back. She gets her health back. She keeps a career that is still thriving to this day, and she even starts running. She's doing some competitions now, and she's setting great examples for her kids, for her family, and for her colleagues, one of whom was also struggling with diabetes that was so severe that they were losing their vision. All of these people in her life now are feeling the impacts of her health discovery. And so Miriam was so inspired by her turnaround and what she was seeing around her that she decided to make a documentary for the Hispanic community called Comida Como Cura. And she says that this information, this information that helped her, it needs to get out there into the world. And so today, Right here on the exam room, we are going to do our part. How are you, Miriam? I am great. Thank you so much for having me, Chuck. This is amazing. I know it's a little bit awkward. You're used to asking the questions (laughs) as opposed to being on the hot seat yourself. So I do appreciate you getting out of your comfort zone. Yeah, it's been it's been quite the quite the ride. I usually, you know, try to as, as a reporter does try to stay behind the scenes, not very in front of the camera, never talk about myself. But in this occasion, I felt that I had to open up to the community that I serve and, you know, tell them my journey. 
Well, let's talk about the community that you're serving. You're working with Telemundo, so obviously uh, the Hispanic uh, population here. And one of the things that we've been doing with uh, at, or at the Physicians Committee is really trying to reach that community because what we have found is that it is completely underserved in terms of proper nutrition and teaching them the um, the fundamentals of a healthy diet. And I know that you just released this incredible documentary. Uh, I'm going to try to say it uh, properly. Comida como cura, uh, which means what? Food as medicine. There it is. There it is. <laughs> the greatest title in the history of titles. Um, first of all, why this project? I started this project because I felt there was a need in the Hispanic community to have this information, like you say, but it didn't just come to me. I, I became very ill um, in 2015. And by 2017, I finally was diagnosed with Sjogren's, an autoimmune disorder. Um, and when I went to my doctors and, you know, they, they put me on immunosuppressors and, you know, steroids and, you know, things happened. <laughs> I got, you know, bigger, which people, you know, saw on camera because I'm a TV personality. So they're like, oh, see, he's getting big. Um, they didn't know why I lost my hair. I started all the side effects that drugs have. And I would ask my doctors if there was a way uh, naturally or if I could change my food, it, if it would help. And my doctors would simply say no. Um, I started looking because I was desperate. And I found all these documentaries in English, including Code Blue from Dr. Stansick um, and all the ones that you've seen. Um, but there was nothing in Spanish. So the first thing I did was I tried this out. I healed myself. I took some courses in nutrition and it worked and I got better. And then I said, well, now I got to take care of my community and get this information out to them. And that's when uh, the documentary came about. I said, you know, how come there is no documentary in Spanish talking about this? And the people I serve deserve to know this if, if they're going through what I'm going through. How has it been received so far? Because I know from experience that the idea of eating an entirely plant-based diet <laughs> is really kind of jarring to a lot of people. Yes. Yes. Well, I think that, you know, I came from an area where, you know, I, I didn't, you know, although, although the Hispanic community is very kind and loving um, and they, they love the animals and they love the planet. Um, I, I didn't go about telling them to eat fruits and vegetables because it was going to save the planet. I, I talked about my story and my story is a story of many Hispanics. It's a story of somebody who's sick, and has tried all the medicine and is still sick and then needs more medicine for the side effects of that medicine. And they related to that. And that's why it's been so successful. This documentary has been shared across the country on our network shows. It's, it's been really big because people were hungry for this. Um, growing up in South America, I can tell you, we heard of this. I mean, our grandma told us about the, these nature retreats and all that, and that you would go and heal yourself. But we tend to forget things when we come to this country. We, we see an abundance of food, mainly processed food. We start eating that. We start getting sick. And we forget that the, the, you know, the health is in our food. So one, it was reminding people that you know, that exists. And two, showing them it works. It worked on me and it's worked on so many other people. So it was giving them hope. And, and it's been amazing how many people have written in, I have a disease. I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to talk to my doctor. I'm going to find a doctor who knows about nutrition, um, which is what I end up doing. And I suggest people do the same. 
I, th I love those types of emails when I get them here on the exam room. Like it means the world to me to know that the stories that we tell, the information that we're sharing is connecting on such a profound level. Do you remember the first time you got an email or a message from a viewer who said, thank you so very much for this? As soon as we put this documentary out, um, I, I was scared. I'm not going to lie to you because I've been a very private person. I'm an investigative reporter. So, you know, my stories usually are targeting somebody who did something bad. And so I've been very private about my life. So I was very afraid. This was probably the, you know, the story or the, the project that made me most afraid because I was opening myself up. Uh, and I would tell my family, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous about this. And as soon as it came out, the email started coming in. I have Sjogren's. I have, you know, diabetes, I have heart disease, and I'm going to give it a shot. And my doctors tell me that, you know, there's nothing I can do. And, and then there's people who've told me, I've tried this and it's working. Thank you so much. And asking for recipes. That's the next thing everybody asks for. <laughs> no doubt about it. Um, being the investigative reporter that you are, though, um, you know, I'm sure there was some skepticism there. Like, show me the proof before yes. you actually, you know, I guess even tried this for yourself. So when you really started to do this digging, like how much research did you do before you felt comfortable giving it a whirl yourself? A lot. I read every book available. I mean, I, I started with the typical, the China study and whole and Dr. Stanz's book and, you know, Dr. Ana Negron's book. And I, I read a lot. I read a lot. And then I took uh, the nutrition, um, the T. Colin Campbell's nutrition uh, centers, uh, nutrition study, a plant-based nutrition certificate. And I learned even more. And then I felt comfortable, you know, knowing the studies, knowing the science. Um, but before I did all that, I got to tell you, I, I did what a lot of people do. I was so desperate. I'm like, you know what? It's not like I'm going to do anything difficult. This is, they're not telling me, telling me to take a pill. Let me give it a shot. I tried it on myself. It worked. And then I studied to see why it worked. And I, I found all this information. So, yeah, I really did uh, take a deep dive into this uh, nutrition because I, I, I wanted to know why it worked and if I could actually tell people that it worked because of the science. Compare how it actually worked to what your original expectations were. I'm guessing, seeing as though you're just kind of beaming today and made a documentary, <laughs> it exceeded anything beyond your wildest imagination. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I was pretty, pretty, and I was in a low, low place of my life. I mean, there was, I'm a very active person and, you know, I, I, I do a lot of volunteer work outside of work. My job is very demanding. I have, a, I'm one of those, you know, Hispanic Latina moms who has to cook every day for her kids and her husband. And I'm very active. And I found myself laying on the sofa, not being able to go outside. I love to garden. I couldn't go out. I'd look out like a, like a fishbowl. I couldn't go outside because I was so sick. Um, I, you know, I was in a lot of pain. So my life really took a big turn. I mean, I got my life back and that's why, you know, I, I hope that for other people. And I figured, you know, it's not an easy transition. I'm not going to tell anybody it's an easy transition, but it's easier than what was going to happen to me in the long run. I know that for sure. I've been in enough hospitals to know that's not how I want to end my life. Let's talk about your transition. So as you were leading up to, you got your diagnosis, what was your diet like heading up to everything before it kind of culminated and you made that turn? I, I, I love to cook. I think that's one of the reasons I've been successful in this. I love to cook. I love to try new recipes, but I was making a lot of meat recipes. I'm from Chile. So we do barbecues every weekend. Now my brother who barbecues puts all the veggies for me. <laughs> and everybody's eating more veggies than my, my siblings. And everybody. It's amazing. 
Um, but we would barbecue every weekend. I would make these, you know, pasta, like homemade from scratch pasta. Uh, and, and, and yeah, I was very rich in processed foods or in, in, in meat. It was very rich in meat. Um, I transitioned to another rheumatologist. The first doctor who told me that, you know, nutrition had nothing to do with it. I, I after I realized, um, that it did, I changed to another, um, rheumatologist who actually looked, uh, at the, at the studies and would send me Mediterranean diets. This might be better, you know, th- realized there was a, a link between my disease and what I was eating and all these other exterior factors. So for me, immediately I started feeling better and I got my life back. I couldn't walk. Now I was walking everywhere. I started running. Um, if you see the documentary, I run a half marathon, which I never thought I was going to be able to do again. So just changing my diet gave me my life back. And then I was able to do other things. Lifestyle medicine suggests like sleeping better. Cause I wasn't waking up with pain, uh, <laughs> meditating, you know, exercising all the wonderful things I was able to enjoy it again because I was able to be mobile. Phenomenal results. But when you first started talking to your family about what it was you were going to do, I mean, did they kind of give you like what I, the people's eyebrow looking like the rock with that eyebrow? Like what? <laughs> well, my, my husband's Cuban American. So he was brought up with, you know, uh, you know, lechon or pork, you know, so but he is the most supportive husband, you know, I'm not selling him. So I'm not going to promote him, but he's amazing. And he saw me so sick. He's like, try it, try anything. Uh, my kids, when I started cooking this food, they were like, you know, we're not going to be vegan. You know, we're not going to be vegan. Is that vegan? I don't want vegan. <laughs> like every kid does. Um, and now, you know, they're not hundred percent plant-based, but they do eat a lot more vegetables and every, and, and they don't need any red meat anymore. Uh, you know, so, so they've tapered off a lot of the, of the animal protein and a lot of, um, I've also, because I've introduced so many veggies at, the, at home, they've tried and like new veggies and like new fruits. So, um, at the beginning, there was a little bit of resistance as to not me doing it, but everybody having to do it because I'm the chef of the house. Um, but they were always supportive of me because, you know, they saw how sick I was and, you know, they were they were going to support whatever I did to try to get better. So your battle was with Sjogren's, but let's talk about the rates of chronic disease among the Hispanic community, which are far higher than many other communities uh, here in the States. Um, when it comes to combating chronic disease, you know, we're talking diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, all of that. How are the rates currently with the Hispanic community? Diabetes is pretty high. It is, you know, we and, and obesity rates are, are really high um, in, in the Hispanic community. And I'll tell you, um, one of my producers who takes our calls and, you know, who, who, you know, we get hundreds of calls a week because I'm an investigative reporter, people asking for help. She would listen to her. She's got the biggest heart in the world and she was losing her eyesight. Um, because her diabetes was so, so out of control. And, you know, before I even thought of doing this, I started sending her, you know, fork over knives, what the health, all these documentaries. I'm like, just watch this stuff. Just watch it and see what you think. And she changed that. And, you know, she got progressively better. She, she's in Texas. So she would travel to Mexico to get blood work, you know, every, every other week. And she saw her numbers coming down. So Hispanics really need this information because, you know, like, like, uh, you know, like, you know, the rest of the community, um, you know, heart disease is big. Diabetes is big. I mean, we have people losing limbs who are getting dialysis who could actually prevent this. And I think the biggest thing that I learned um, during this process and that I repeat to like whoever has these issues is the role fat has in our diet, you know, that, you know, how, 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 you know, animal fat 
can actually, you know, increase your risk of diabetes, you know, type two diabetes. Um, my father, uh, type two diabetic, and you know, has had a triple bypass. Um, he actually, he, I call him a scammer because he's actually in the documentary because he's he's healed himself with this kind of nutrition, but he uses it as medicine. He gets better and then he goes back to eating all his stuff. Um, but my father, when he eats what I, you know, serve him, he doesn't have to, you know inject himself, you know, so it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And it's so instant for, for us to see a difference. And that as soon as they start trying it, they immediately get it. Um, it may be difficult, but they know it's there. And they, they you know, and, and just like my father, my father knows this medicine is there for him and it's absolutely free. And that's what, that's what I, I like the most. Nobody's selling anything here. Uh, you know, I think Dr. Greger says, when was the last time big broccoli took your doctor out for dinner? I think that's his saying. Um, I love Dr. Greger. Uh, he's, he, you know, he's right on with that. Honestly, there's not, there's no miracle pill. It's just eat more, you know, what your grandma told you, eat more fruits and veggies, um, and less of the other stuff and eat more real food. We eat so much processed food in this country. I have a family member now who was very sick and um, got tested and her pesticide levels are out of this world high and she's a healthy eater. And it's, it's honestly, if we don't watch what we're eating um, in this country, our, you know, our disease is not just for Hispanics, but in general, uh, are going to keep increasing. Another thing that happens with Hispanics is we come from countries where legumes are big. I mean, we ate lentejas, lentils in, in Chile all the time, but we come here and meat is so much cheaper and so much afford so affordable for us that we think, okay, well now we can eat this all the time because we can afford it and it's abundant. And that's as soon as we get to this country, we start adapting. You know, we start getting all of these diseases. And I think people remember eating better in our countries. They remember that. So I think that that's why they 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 made a connection with this. You are far from the first person to tell me that once you immigrate to the United States, your health starts to fall apart after you begin to eat that standard American diet. That's why they call it the sad diet, you know, <laughs> speaking for people who have immigrated from Asia and India, uh, Africa, the UK, like everybody who comes here winds up, you know, losing their health. You know, so it's it's really kind of sad to me that more isn't made about that connection up front. And I love what you were saying about, you know, grandma knew best way back when more fruits, more vegetables in this country, though. I wish that there was more coaching about what truly is a healthy fruit or vegetable. My grandma, for instance, uh, she considered a can of baked beans, whether or not there was pork in that, uh, to be a vegetable, you know, so uh, potato chips, vegetable, baked beans, a vegetable. And then you, you pair that with hot dogs and macaroni and cheese. And there you have a well-balanced dinner. And that's how I got up to 420 pounds and was on blood pressure medication in high school. So, you know, it's it's just insane to me you know, that more isn't taught about this. So I'm glad that you were able just kind of to revert back to your roots a little bit to make this process, this change a little bit easier for you, even though you said that it wasn't necessarily the easiest thing in the world for you. Yeah. I mean, the, the, knowing that that's how we used to eat, you know, it's always in the back of your head, you know, those memories. I, uh, I have this thing where I chop, I have, you know, this little uh, gadget where I chop my cilantro, my parsley. And that was my job when I was a kid. I was the, you know, I was <laughs> the one who would chop the herbs and I smell that. And it reminds me of my mom's kitchen when I was a kid. So, so, you know, it's, it's in there. We've all, you know, we all remember, especially, you know, if we immigrated, you know, a little later, 
We all remember, you know, eating this kind of food, this healthy food when we were kids and just bringing it back. Um, what happens, what makes it difficult, the transition is we get set in our ways of, you know, cooking the same things over again. I mean, I could throw a piece of chicken on, you know, on the skillet and have some, you know, white rice done in 20 minutes. And you know, that was easy. And my kids were fed in no time. And so this requires a little bit more chopping or a little bit more prepping, a little bit more organization. But I rather put the time in now. It's like a bank account. You're putting the time in now, chopping vegetables and doing all this. And then, you know, you're going to, you're, you're going to retire with those benefits. You're going to cash it in just like your 401. You know, you're going to, you're going to be able to retire with health. And that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing like a savings account now. Yes. I spend a little bit more time chopping vegetables and, and prepping some meals, but I know that I'm going to be able to be mobile when I'm old and continue to do the things I like to do. All right. And here's the big question I'm sure everybody's wondering is what foods are you depositing into that account that you were just talking <laughs> about? What are your favorites? Uh, you know, it's funny at 40 something years old. I don't remember what time I think it was like 46 years old. I discovered kale. Kale was new for me. I was like, <laughs> what is that? Now I even grow it in my yard. Uh, so kale was brand new. That just came out last year. Like I say, um, I, I love uh, I, I do like my beans. I love lentils. I can have lentils any which way. I have a whole bunch of recipes for lentils. You, you can't mess up lentils. Um, black beans, rice, brown rice uh, for like big staples. I have for my big salads, black beans, brown rice, and maduros or, you know, right, plantains in the air fryer. I could eat that every day. So that's that's one of my my go-to meals. Um, I like a lot, a lot of Asian food. I learned, I, I discovered bok choy at 40-something years old too. There was a lot of vegetables out there I didn't know. And it's funny because, you know, this is embarrassing, but I would eat Chinese food and bok choy was in there, but I didn't know what that was. <laughs> so, so I love bok choy. I love kale. I've always liked salads, but now I put like yummy stuff. I mean, I discovered chia seeds. I discovered, you know, pepitas. I, re I rediscovered pepitas, um, the little seminal, you know, the little pumpkins um, so to put in my salad. I, I, I love, I learned to eat eggplant. I learned to eat zucchini. I didn't like those growing up, um, but your taste buds change. And after you start, you know, eating cleaner, you start liking things. I never liked yucca before, and now I like yucca. Um, so it's, it's amazing. It, there's just so many vegetables. I was like, you know, um, Dr. Ana Negron was talking about, you know, making the switch from animal protein to the other stuff. And it's like, you know, you have chicken, fish, you know, pork, you know, you know, meat. And then in the, in the plant pro, you know, in the plant world, you have so many, you could sit here all day and, you know, and fire them off, you know, broccoli. I love broccoli. I've always liked broccoli, but now I'm put it, I put more of it in our diet. My kids love it. I can't even pull it out of the oven fast enough and they eat it like a snack. Well, okay. So two things. One, the fact that your kids eat broccoli, that is just amazing. And I think the entire world has just stood up and paid attention to what it is that you just said. Two, Holy God, you get the quote of the year. I know it's only March, but you get the quote of the year. <laughs> Kale just came out last year. Oh my God, I love you so much. Please don't ever leave. Like this is just phenomenal. Oh my goodness. Uh, but I do have one final qu question for you. And it is kind of a serious one. 
Um, and it, it goes to the heart of what it is that we do here on the exam room and certainly to the heart of what it is you hope to accomplish with this documentary. And that is, what would your message be to someone who is feeling like their health challenges are hopeless? No matter what it is that they do in life, they are destined to lose their vision because of diabetes or perhaps a limb. They're destined to die of a heart attack because that's what happened to their father, their grandfather, their grandmother, whatever the case may be. You are living proof that it doesn't have to be that way. So what would your message then, Miriam, be to that person? I think uh, genes are just one, one example of what could happen to you. I know I am genetically predisposed to certain Ill, you know, diseases that my parents and my grandparents have, but I've been able to revert a lot of my disease and a lot of my risk factors by changing this. So um, what we inherited was yes, our genes, but also our way of life. And if you can change the way of life, you're, you know, you inherited that dish full of fat, you inherited, you know, la carne, the, the meat, um, and you can change that and it'll change your path. So um, my, my word to you would be give it a shot. I mean, it's, it's free. I mean, all you have to do is just, you know, instead of buying one thing at the supermarket or at the farmer's market, buy something else and give it a shot, give yourself a shot give yourself a chance to get better and you're going to see how you, how you can feel a lot better. Must see. He says, take that. Those are <laughs> words of wisdom, my friends, Miriam. Thank you so very much. We've put a link to the documentary in the show description or in the episode notes. So please definitely go ahead and give that a view and share it with your friends, your family. Let's, let's continue to make the world a healthier place. Thank you so very much for being here. Thank you so much. Doc. a cool story and great documentary. And I remember Dr. Sarai Stancic. She emailed me and she was so excited. She said, I have the perfect guest for you for the exam room. And man, was she ever right. I mean, Miriam is quite extraordinary. And she tells me that the documentary continues to be very well received in her community. And, you know, that made me think of our friend Mark Ramirez. He's been on the show a few times. Former University of Michigan football player, a big-time football school. And how Mark shared his own story of overcoming diabetes and how he now, too, is helping the Hispanic community. So he's teamed up with his wife, and they formed this company called Chickpea and Bean. And what they do is they go out and they teach the fundamentals of healthy plant-based nutrition. And what makes his story so remarkable is not just his own transformation, it's that he comes from a family that was ravaged by diabetes. And yet, and yet, despite all of the destruction, he was able to flip the script on his own health and become living proof that it can be done no matter what you think the odds are. So speaking of Mark, why not revisit his story right now with an exam room flashback. Mark, thank you so very much for taking the time, my friend. Hey, you are very welcome. Honored to be here, Chuck. Thanks for inviting me. What an incredible story you have. I mean, really, talk about just the incredible toll that diabetes had taken on your family. Yeah, so I come from a big Mexican family, eight brothers and sisters, and everybody, Chuck, with the exception of one sister, ends up battling diabetes. Everyone in my family, including my mother, now, my mother, after 33 years of fighting diabetes and uh, going blind, uh, a, a heart attack, 
and a kidney transplant ends up passing at the young age of 61 after a double bypass in Rush Presbyterian Hospital in Chicago. But you, that's that's my mother, dies at the young age of 61. Now I'm 52, so that's nine years away. Uh, and, and her life was cut short after this dramatic and uh, disease, diabetes, traumatic disease, basically for over 33 years. Now, brothers and sisters, everybody, like I said, with the exception of one sister, has battled diabetes. We've had you know multiple heart attacks, transplants, you know, three kidneys and one pancreas transplanted in my family. Two of my family members have gone blind. Over 20 years of dialysis. You look at the multitude of medications, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. So chronic illness has devastated my entire family. And I was headed down the same path in 2002, the same year that my mother passed and the same year that my oldest brother died after a nine-month bout with pancreatic cancer. I'm diagnosed with diabetes and I was not shocked. I was not surprised because ever since I was growing up and ever since I have memories of my mother, she was popping pills for diabetes and everything that I had read and learned to be or believed to be true up until that point was that it's genetic. You know, I'm Hispanic. Hispanics have high rates of diabetes. It's in your genes. There's not much you can do about this. So just brace for impact. Well, you know, 12 years out of college, I graduated in 1990 out of the University of Michigan. 12 years later that my mother passes, my oldest brother passes, I'm diagnosed with diabetes. And I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised because I've seen my entire family go down this path. So, you know, you fast forward 10 years after once I was initially diagnosed with diabetes, I'm taking insulin shots multiple times a day. I'm on two oral meds for uh, diabetes. I'm on a high cholesterol medication, a high blood pressure medication. And on top of all that, I'm obese. I have erectile dysfunction. I have psoriasis all over my scalp, heartburn very, very frequently. I don't sleep well. And I'm 43 years old. And I just see myself headed down the same trajectory as other family members of mine. And I have two children now. I'm really sad because I'm sitting here wondering, am I going to be able to see and watch my children walk down the aisle as they graduate high school or or get their degrees from college or get married, right? So all of this mental uh, stress that, you know, that was on us as well, my wife and I, is, we're, we're, we're sitting here wondering what our future is going to look like. And then lo and behold, we end up almost nine years ago, we came across, you mentioned the documentaries and Netflix and all these, this channel for, for vegans. We came across Forks Over Knives. And so we watched that documentary. And through there, I was introduced to Dr. Barnard. So we bought Dr. Barnard's uh, program for reversing diabetes, his book. We read that book, saw the documentary, and we started a plant-based lifestyle on December 3rd of 2011. So almost, it's eight and a half going on nine years now. And we never looked back. I mean, I had tried, Chuck, in that decade of being sick, of slowly just progressively getting worse to count carbs, count calories, portion control, exercise more, eat less, all these different tactics that you hear about today. And I might have lost a little weight or felt a little better, but at the end of the day, it wasn't until I fixed the food and we fixed it with a whole food plant-based lifestyle, just like uh, PCRM and Dr. Barnard talk about and you talk about all the time. And uh, it, it's it's amazing that in a matter of months, so I was taking five different medications, the insulin shots and four oral pills. And once we adopt the plant, a whole food plant-based lifestyle, low in fat, we ended up in two months after being sick for a decade, for 10 years. In two months, I'm off all the medications. In three months, I shed 50 pounds. 
And I got to 210 pounds, like you mentioned. That's I haven't weighed 210 pounds since the seventh grade. And uh, so it's it's pretty amazing the the trajectory that my family is now on. We you know now we see the future is bright. We don't have these dark clouds hanging over us where we're thinking about what's my health going to be like. Get, keep the insulin cold. Make sure my pills are uh, you know refilled and with us when we go on vacation. All of this and and you mentioned earlier about the the money we've saved. We we project eighteen to twenty thousand dollars in these eight and a half years of no medications, no doctor copays, no all these procedures that you go through. Uh, I'm I go to the doctor once a year, and I love going to the doctor because when I go, my results pretty much end up being normal. Oh man, what a change from all that you know all the years previous. You know, I remember being overweight and going to the doctor, and my medical file was like this thick, man. I mean, it was like an encyclopedia. Um, I, I want to go back to your your football days because you said basically as long as you can remember, your mom was taking medication for diabetes. But as a football player, you had to be eating just enormous amounts of food, probably not the healthiest food out there. Did you ever make that connection that what it was that you were putting into your body at that point? Did it even register that that might be what, you know, would lead to problems down the line? Or did you have this air of invincibility about you? So at the time, right, it's it's entrenched and embedded in you, right, that for protein, you need meat, you need a lot of meat to get a lot of protein to get big and strong, right. And this is what ever since I was, you know, in fifth grade, started to play football all the way through college, it was you need meat, get a lot of protein in there, you're going to get big and strong. And yeah, I mean, I did, I, I got big and strong. However, uh, I am a 100% convinced, Chuck, that eating those foods for all those decades prior to me, uh, you know, being diagnosed with diabetes, that is absolutely what ended up leading me down that path to having all this chronic illness. And how I know is because when I changed the foods, when I stopped eating those foods, I got better, my health returned. Uh, and, and now we live vibrant lives. And but as football, we want to be big and strong. You know, I was an offensive lineman, 305 pounds when I played at the University of Michigan. You know, I'm 6'2", so I, I was a pretty big guy. And uh, again, that's what's entrenched. When I would go to training table at Michigan, I mean, I'd have two and three steaks, no problem uh, for dinner. I mean, mm. there was a ton of meat, a ton of animal foods. And, you know, more importantly, you know, like you mentioned um about being big and strong and around football is, you know, somewhat a macho, you know, Hey, I'm a macho man and I'm big and strong in football. And, and I used to think that way. I, I bought into all that, but I am 100% convinced that the, the foods that I was eating, Chuck would ultimately lead me to not be macho in the way of erectile dysfunction. I mean, I have a beautiful wife and when you can't perform, I mean, how deflating is that? Right. And I oh, used yeah. to think, Chuck, I was like, well, it's too dark. Uh, it's too dark in here. It's too light in the room. The dog's in the room. It's too cold. It's too hot. I looked for every excuse on why I couldn't perform. And in reality, as we all know, I mean, the arteries, your, 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 the artery that feeds our private is one of the smallest in the body. And so when we're eating these foods and we're clogging our, our arteries and our veins with all the cholesterol and saturated fat that build up over time, that's going to be the first thing that a lot of men will notice is, hey, they start to have performance issues. And again, these very foods are the foods that made me unmanly. So um, now life is great. All of that went away. My diabetes, my ED, my psoriasis, my frequent heartburn, my obesity, my high blood pressure, my high cholesterol, it's all gone. All the medications are gone. And we're going on almost nine years now, Chuck. So we're, we're loving life, man. 
What an incredible transformation. I got to ask you before we move on to the fighting COVID-19 with food series, uh, what, how did your family react when you went plant-based and they started to see all of these changes in you? Did they, you know, start to make some changes themselves? So we, we have seen, I mean, I've seen some of my family members, they're making changes, making some moves. Uh, some of them still need to move a little more than they have, but they are, they are trying to make some uh, moves. And it's one thing that I learned early on too, that you can't force anybody to do something they don't want to do. Right. So we, they see me, uh, I, I try to go to Chicago. I live in the Detroit area, but I try to get back to Chicago as often as I can. And, uh, you know, I try to just keep inspiring them to keep trying and keep looking for ways to, uh, to implement more plants into their diet and go there hundred percent, if at all possible. All right, let's shift gears here and talk about the Fighting COVID-19 series, uh, Fighting COVID-19 with Food series that you're involved in. Let me start by asking you, we just saw what Dr. Barnard was talking about at the top of the show, how much more severe these cases are when a person is obese. How much differently do you feel that you may feel about the virus had you not made these changes in your life right now? Well, you know, it, it's interesting. This COVID, as terrible as it is for so many people, the lives lost, the suffering that people are going through in the hospitals. I mean, it's a terrible thing. It's a, obviously a, 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 a virus that we have to somehow come to grips with and figure out. Hopefully they'll come up with a vaccine or help us here soon. But it's been for me personally, kind of a, a little silver lining because I've been home now since the latter part of March. And one of the main reasons that we're not going anywhere, even though this, you know, Michigan here has kind of reopened and been open for a little bit, was I recently became a grandfather for the first time about six weeks ago. So we're we're trying to protect him, trying to protect my new grandson and my daughter and 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 all of us. But it's been interesting that now that I'm staying home more, I, I don't eat out. Um, you know, we would frequent some vegan restaurants and try to eat healthy out of the house, but. I, we've realized and kind of just now been mindful that when we're making the food ourselves, when we're controlling what's going in it, uh, it, it seems to really have done better for me. I mean, I, I've lost almost 15 pounds here. I, I weighed in at uh, 197 just the other day, and I haven't been under 200 pounds, I think, since fifth grade, fifth or sixth grade. So it's pretty amazing. My body is transforming. We're eating much better. Um, so, you know, I, I'm just, I feel terrible for all of the people out there suffering. I hope that we can come to grips with uh, and find a vaccine or some type of uh, medication to help with the, the virus. But uh, for me personally, it's been pretty good. I love the fact how PCRM and you all are continuing to preach how if we eat the right foods, hopefully our microbiome and all the enzymatic reactions that happen when we eat these nutritious, great foods hopefully that'll help our bodies fight any virus, not just COVID-19, but any virus that uh, may come our way. Well, let's talk about the things that we can do right now. And those are the things that I'm sure you're focusing on with the COVID-19, uh, fighting COVID-19 with food series. What is it that uh, you're helping to teach in there? What are the lessons that are being learned? Yeah, just how, again, when you, when I first started this journey, I wanted to dig into the weeds on every nutrient and every chemical and how to, and at the end of the day, we really just have to just take a step back and look at the big picture and realize and understand that when we're eating plants, when we're eating those four main food groups that Dr. Barnard just talked about, the legumes or beans, the grains, the fruits and the vegetables, those are the most nutrient dense foods on the planet, right? And when we're eating those, our body is going to thrive. It's going to, and however, if we're eating a lot of animal foods, a lot of high processed foods, a lot of high fats, oils, salts, and sugars, that's not the best for this human machine. So while we can have some, we just don't want to overload our body with that. So 
it's talking about how we get those most nutrients. And now when we eat these nutritious foods, that can go to help our microbiome, to help basically help our body thrive, as opposed to sit there with all those antioxidants and all those vitamins and nutrients that you get from these great foods, having to go and fight off maybe some uh, other foods that you ate were not that were not so healthy for you. Now that though, all those all those um, basically uh, foods are trying to fight off all the other types of foods that might cause a lot of stress and damage to your body, as opposed to trying to help rebuild and keep your microbiome strong and help you uh, just flourish from a nutrition perspective. So yeah. it's really cool. It is the food. Obviously, moving a little bit, a little exercise uh, will also help you thrive. But it starts with the food. It really does. Um, and I realized that once I started this journey, because it was, you know, you can work out all you want. And I had been working out in my decade of being sick. But the one thing I reflect back on when I was when I was sick, taking those medications was I, I changed uh, my, my lifestyle to include more exercise, but I wasn't able to eliminate the medications. It wasn't until we fixed the food and all the magic that happens when we do that um, in our bodies. You're such an inspiration. Every time I talk to you, I just feel so much better about life <laughs> in general. I, I just, I love your story. The fact that you were able to overcome such challenges. I mean, I just can't imagine being in your shoes and having diabetes strike your family as hard as it did and having that diagnosis yourself and still pulling yourself up from those depths and turning things around. And to look at you today, you really are just, you are the magic man, Mark Ramirez. Well, Chuck, you have an awesome story too, right? And the cool thing about it is there's so many people out there like us, Chuck. We see it time and time again, right? And you're sharing people here on your podcast and the interviews that you do and PCRM, and we see it time and time again. And what's really cool and what I try to tell people is, you know, people will hear your story, they'll hear my story, and they're like, wow, that's incredible. That's amazing. And what I try to tell people is, look, I'm no different than you are. My story can be your story. You you can dramatically improve. And yes, maybe not everybody can get off every medication. Maybe not everybody's going to lose a million pounds or a, you know, a ton of weight. But the bottom line is everybody that does this gets better. And everybody, you know, I'm no more special than any one of you listening or watching this uh, podcast or, or this live show right now. So you, if I can do it, this guy, this macho football steak all on my plate, some dead animal products on my food, on my plate every meal, if I can do it, I know you can do it. Mark is one of the nicest and most genuine people you will ever meet. I remember doing an event with him out in Arizona and we were supposed to link up for tea or coffee in the morning, but our flight schedules were just too different to make that connection happen. But I got a call from the front desk and he had left an autographed photo for me from his playing days at the University of Michigan. I gotta tell you, that touched the old ticker for this sports nut. So I am really happy to call him a friend and to be able to share his story here on the show. But let's stick with diabetes for a moment and take a look at a new study on blood sugar and how high levels may put you at a high risk for Alzheimer's disease. For those details, we head to the exam room news desk. People with elevated blood sugar levels in midlife are more likely to develop Alzheimer's disease. That's according to a study of nearly 5,000 adults, some of whom are as young as 35. The findings show that those with high blood sugar are 15% more likely to be diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease decades down the line. 
The data is from the Framingham Heart Study that was then published in the Journal of Alzheimer's and Dementia. Experts believe the results may help explain why vegan diets are also associated with a reduced risk of cognitive decline, as they've been proven to greatly reduce the risk of diabetes. A link to the full study is included in the episode notes. Health can be kind of an amazing thing. Well, it's always an amazing thing, but it's always just so cool to me how there's a domino effect with things, right? How if one thing is out of whack, another thing can happen to you, and then another thing after that. It's just a whole successive line of issues that you can run into. But if that first domino doesn't topple, well then guess what? You're in pretty good shape, right? And that is the whole idea of eating a plant-based diet, doing everything in your power to make sure that that first domino doesn't topple and your health stays golden as you head into your golden years. If you enjoyed today's show, you like what you heard, you think that you've raised your health IQ by a point or two, please go ahead and subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows. And when you subscribe, please also leave a five-star rating because every new subscription and five-star rating does help people who need this information the most. It helps them find it. So let's go ahead right now. Do that and help out the next Mark Ramirez and Miriam Masihi. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to Miriam and Mark for being here and inspiring us. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based.